This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Like many people, Zoomers are trying to make sense of the wild world of relationships. A friend of mine is getting married in a few weeks after living common law with the same person for 18 years. At the same time, we're hearing about something new that other Zoomer couples are embracing. It's called living apart together. I'll explain what that means in a few moments. And are you struggling to get the right amount of sleep? Who isn't? And the research shows that the problem gets worse as we age. I'll be speaking with Dr. Colin Shapiro, who is the director of the Sleep and Alertness Clinic and the Sleep Research Laboratory at Toronto Western Hospital. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The 96-year-old Cincinnati surgeon credited with developing the Heimlich Maneuver recently used the emergency technique for the first time himself. He saved a woman choking on food at his senior living center. Dr. Henry Heimlich told the Cincinnati Inquirer he has demonstrated it many times through the years but had never before used the maneuver on a person who was choking. He was in the room when an 87-year-old woman began to choke. The retired surgeon dislodged a piece of hamburger from the woman's airway and she quickly recovered. There's a group in Ireland that's calling itself the Airbnb for the 50-plus crowd. For a small fee, homeowners can list their houses for others to use while traveling. Freebird will begin operating on the Emerald Isle and parts of the UK in June with hopes of moving across the Atlantic if successful. The idea is to help Zoomers on fixed incomes monetize their assets. There's a catch for those who put up their property for others to stay in. The owners will have to stay too. Peter Mangan, designer of Freebird, says that will promote conversation and socializing within the Zoomer set. We've talked about them before. The Dancing Grannies, a group of Zoomer women in China who meet in public places, blare loud music, and dance. Well, now they've set a Guinness World Record for mass plaza dancing at multiple locations. More than 31,000 Chinese participants performed choreographed dance moves in Beijing, Shanghai, and four other cities to set the new mark. A Canadian journalist who spent most of his career working in the States was laid to rest this week here in Toronto. Morley Safer, who passed away on May 18th, just days after retiring from the news magazine 60 Minutes, was buried at Roselawn Cemetery on Wednesday. Safer was born in Toronto in 1931 and had been a regular contributor on 60 Minutes since 1970. He died in his Connecticut home of pneumonia. He was 84. (laughs) 
I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. We're heading into wedding season, and it's not just for fresh-faced brides and grooms. Zoomers, including my friends Michael Hartrick and Teresa Lee, are also deep into wedding plans as they prepare to tie the knot in a few weeks. In the five years leading up to 2011, the number of married spouses in the older demographic grew by 15%. And what's especially unique about Michael and Teresa is that they're marrying after living together for 18 years. Getting older, I think, is part of it because I feel, for me, uh, turning 60, believe it or not, was, you know, everybody has their their age in the sand where you start to feel, whoops, this is, I'm now not, I'm not a kid anymore and I'm becoming, I'm, bec- I'm getting older. For me, it was 60, you know, age 30, 40, 50 were meaningless to me. I just blasted right through them. I didn't give it a second thought. I didn't, it was a non-issue, but there was something about 60. I don't know if it's the numbers or what, but I, uh, I started to take it more seriously at age 60 and I do feel, you know, that I am heading into a new chapter of my life, and I'm very excited by the concept that I that will be a you know married chapter with a special person. We wish Michael and Teresa many more years of happiness together. I checked in with psychotherapist Minnie Sharma about the dynamics of changing the foundation of such a long-standing relationship, and she also told me about a new form of living arrangement taking hold in our demographic. One of the fears that most people have is being alone when they're retired or when they're older, when they're empty nest stages, right? So if they've already been living together for 18 years, um, it might just be that, okay, let's kind of solidify that we get that we're going to be with each other when we're older, take care of each other when they're older. And there's no, there's no window, right? When you're living together and you're not, um, you don't have that piece of paper, there's this window of being able to say, you know, this isn't working, let's just go our separate ways. And our laws are very different when it comes to common law and being legally married. And what I'm finding is the trend is completely the opposite. So I'm actually a little bit surprised um, that they're doing it because the majority of Zoomers now are doing that whole living apart together, their laps. Or I just heard today what was called a, um, a partner. What is living apart together? So this is a new trend where Zoomers in particular, so people who are empty nest stages, are having relationships that are committed relationships, right? So completely monogamous, but not living together. So it's called LAT, living apart together. And there's lots of reasons for that. So that could be, you know, financially, they want to be able to leave their assets to their children. It just gets really complicated when you live together with someone. And believe it or not, it's women who are making the decision to be last because men want to be married and move in with a woman because they get taken care of, right? Are the women trying to avoid becoming caregivers? That's one of the reasons is because women live a lot longer and, and now they're nearing kind of their um, end stages of life. They want to, they don't want to be stuck in that place of taking care of somebody else, right? But if they're in a committed relationship and the person you're committed to gets sick and needs care, are you going to walk away? No, I mean, they're still in committed relationships. So there's still that level of, you know, I'll be there to take care of you. However, when you're living with someone, the dynamics change. What I mean by taking care of someone is not necessarily when they're ill, but 
a level of responsibility. So do I have to cook for them? Do I have to do their laundry? Do I, like, I'm done doing that. I want to now enjoy my life. I want to have a partner. I want to have a companion. But remember, there's also that whole financial issue of when you live together and now you become common law or you or you get married, that's even one step further. It's one of the highest um, growth populations in Canada, believe it or not, is these lads. And it's the older population. And it, it has to do with children, right? And leaving where your money's going to go. Yeah, just the finances, combining finances, kind of you've built, you've built your empire, you've built your, um, you know, and then the children are also nervous about that. They're like, whoa, wait a minute, what does this mean? If you're common law, then you have a right to support, but you don't really have a right to property. Uh, common law is different in the sense that, so let's say you you are living in a house together. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be split 50-50, like if you were married. If you're married, it doesn't matter what you put into it or what you didn't put into it. It's just 50-50. That's the matrimonial home. So there's not that much downside risk for inheritance if you're living together, or is there? Well, there's that fear for the children, right? Like, oh yeah. my gosh, does that mean that my mom's going to change her will and put you know him in it oh. or vice versa? Because that, that can happen, right? That happens a lot, actually. I get a lot of people in my office where um, they have the parents have a new partner and the will has been changed and they're convinced the other partner uh, forced him to do that or, you know, like, you know, that it was it wasn't genuine when his father was doing that. So it ends up causing a lot of problems after the death. I like, do so much work with bereavement. But but more than that, the difference is, I think women are a lot more independent than they used to be. So they they're making their own money. They're making their own choices. Still want companionship, still want sex, still want love, but not necessarily the day-to-day living together. Okay. Mini Sharma, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Libby, for this opportunity. Thank you. That was psychotherapist Mini Sharma. 1.9 million Canadians were lats living apart together in 2011. It's a small number, but the prevalence of this arrangement is growing among people over 60. It jumped from 1.8% to 2.3% in a 10-year period. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. I'll be speaking with a world-renowned sleep specialist to find out why we have trouble sleeping and what you can do to catch a few extra Z's. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Do you sleep well? It's something that's critical for many aspects of health, yet a recent poll finds 70% of us feel we're falling short and wish we could have better sleep most nights. And it's a problem that usually gets worse as we age. Dr. Colin Shapiro is the director of the Sleep and Alertness Clinic and Sleep Research Laboratory at Toronto Western Hospital, as well as the Youthdale Child and Adolescent Sleep Clinic in Toronto. People who don't sleep well feel terrible. And uh, when I occasionally remind patients that sleep deprivation is actually a form of torture, and to some extent we are torturing ourselves when we don't have good sleep and we don't attend to it. Does it surprise you that 70% say that they wish they could get a better quality of sleep? It's not totally surprising. We know that there are a lot of people who have insomnia, there are a lot of people who have breathing-related problems in their sleep. A lot of people have 
twitchy legs in their sleep. There are a very wide number of sleep difficulties. And if you've had good sleep at one part of your life and you then have bad sleep, you know the difference very well. And uh, it affects every facet of your life. And what's ironic is that they sometimes look for very simplistic solutions and they don't take it seriously as a medical issue. And of all medical issues, I think there are two that people don't go to their doctor with. If they have sleep complaints, they don't often actually go to the doctor. Only one in 212 will actually mention it to their doctor who actually have a sleep problem. And the other uh, issue is uh, sexual issues that people won't present to the doctor, even though there might be a simple solution. Is it true that older people need less sleep or that we need less sleep as we age? There's a lot of debate about it, and the uh, experts in the field have come down on both sides of the equation. Um, but what is unquestionable is that the amount of deep sleep you have decreases dramatically over adulthood. So if you're 20 years old, you have 20% of deep sleep. If you're 40 years old, you have 10% of deep sleep. And when you're 60, you only have 5%. That's a 75% drop in those 40 years. If there is a change in duration of sleep from eight to six hours, it's only a 25% drop. So the problem isn't the amount, it's really the quality. Is that inevitable, uh, the drop in deep sleep? I, I think it is inevitable. It is part of the aging process. The issue is that for some people in their 60s, they get zero, and other people get 5%, and there's a long way between zero and 5%. And uh, a study in Seattle, for example, showed that if you have gentle exercise three times a week with an occupational therapist, this is not running on treadmills, um, you can take your deep sleep from 2% to 4% and feel dramatically different. And so there are a lot of ways that your sleep can be improved. The other issue is that many people have broken up sleep. Is just any ordinary exercise? Any moderate exercise... Uh, on a regular basis, three times a week, and not overly stressful, will improve sleep quality for many people. There are a lot of other issues that will improve sleep quality. Cigarette smokers, on average, have half an hour less sleep. People sometimes think that alcohol helps them to get to sleep, which is something true, but it also causes more broken sleep, and then people feel, well, that two whiskeys didn't do it, so let me try three, and they get the better effect of going off to sleep quicker and possibly having slightly more deep sleep at the beginning of the night, but the broken sleep way outweighs the benefits that you've got from that getting off to sleep quickly. There is a great push now to emphasize therapies that are usually delivered by psychologists, cognitive behavior therapy for insomnia, which is viewed um, increasingly as the first line of treatment rather than um, uh, having pharmacotherapies, but there are also some very safe substances that one can take that don't fall formally into the category of sleeping pills that can improve sleep. Such as? Tryptophan would be one. Can you give us an idea of what those cognitive therapies entail? One of the techniques in, the, in a behavior therapy is uh, to reduce the time a bit. If you tell them to go to bed and to get up five hours later, they think you're crazy because you're not going to get enough sleep. And the truth is that they won't because they're having a little bit of sleep here and a little bit of sleep there and, and so on. But if they do that for a few days, they will be tired. And then they start filling in the blanks with more and more sleep. 
And the issue is to have continuous sleep rather than patchy sleep. And once you've got to uh, most of the time be filled up with sleep, then you can expand the window and you sleep a bit longer and a bit longer week by week. And it's not an easy um, plan to follow, but when it's done properly, it's very effective. What about the usual advice that uh, you have to have a nicely made bed, that you shouldn't have any distractions, no screens, I turn think, everything I think off? The important issue is much, the, the screens is an issue, but it's more the um, regularity of the situation. So, for example, people who snack a bit before bed often find that if they don't have their snack, they sleep worse. There are people who don't normally snack, if they're encouraged to have a little snack before bed, they do sleep worse. In other words, it's the routine more than the behavior that matters. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Colin Shapiro, thanks so much for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I've been speaking with Dr. Colin Shapiro. You can download his self-management of insomnia tool at sleepontario.com. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Some stunning news from the world of music this week. Gord Downey of the Tragically Hip was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Music from the hip is coming up next. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international arts date book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In New York City, a revival of the 1965 musical Do I Hear a Waltz is based on the play that inspired David Lean's 1955 classic film, Summertime. The musical about a romance-starved secretary on a trip to Venice is on stage at the New York City Center. In Los Angeles, the Getty presents a major exhibition of the art and history of the Mogai Grottoes, the Buddhist cave temples on the ancient Silk Road in northwest China. To London, where Mischief Theatre is staging the hit comedy The Play That Goes Wrong. The laughs come as a group of hapless actors attempt to stage a murder mystery. It's at the Duchess Theatre. And in Athens, the Museum of Cycladic Art is hosting dissident Chinese artist Ai Weiwei's most recent work documenting the refugee crisis in Greece. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Book. Well, this week, Canadians came together to show love and support for Gord Downey, the lead singer of The Tragically Hip. On Tuesday, the band released a statement on its website sharing the sad news that Downey has been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. It was definitely a shock to the legions of hip fans who have followed the group for over 30 years. Social media exploded with messages of love and support and many comments on the unique place the tragically hip have in Canadian culture. And with a spirit that is very true to the essence of the group, the hip announced they aren't letting this bad news slow them down. In fact, they are going back on the road. They'll be performing a series of concerts across the country this summer, which are sure to be emotional events for both the band and its fans. Right now, we'll hear a song that's sure to be on the set list. It's one of the many beautiful, very Canadian songs penned by Gord Downey. Here is Wheat Kings. Sundown in the Paris of the Prairie we kings of all 
treasures buried. And all you hear are the rusty breezes pushing around where the vain Jesus. Zippolider receives the killer's fate. Maybe it's someone standing in a killer's place. Twenty years for nothing, well, that's nothing new besides. No one's interested in something you didn't do. It's a museum and we're all locked up in it after dark The walls are lined all yellow, gray, and sinister Hung with pictures of a parent's prime minister We kings and pretty things That was the Tragically Hip with Wheat Kings. This week we learned the sad news that singer-songwriter Gord Downey has been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. The group announced they are hitting the road for what could be the last time. There will be two concerts in Toronto this August. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions or comments about today's program, you can email us at zwir at zoomerradio.ca. And be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited, executive producer Moses Snymer. Produced by Paul Thomas. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network. Home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.